When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, I'm Jimmy Bullard, and this is me old muck of Venice. We're back together, son. How are you? Hey, Bully, hey, great to be back working with you. Well, what are we doing here, though? We're starting a football club in podcast form. The only thing we know, it's called FC Bullard. After that, it's all up for grabs. So, we haven't got any players, we haven't got a kit, we haven't got a club badge, we haven't got a stadium. Correct. FC Bullard. Welcome to the club. This is a crowd podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Tom, Pamela Anderson. To be more like Tom, go to patreon.com, search for Joe Marler Show and become an official sponsor today. You're listening to The Marler Show. It isn't on the radio. It's a podcast, fool. You listen anywhere you go. The Joe Marler Show. Hello, and welcome to our show. I'm Jeffro Marler, and this is Tywin for Dice. You got a piece of straw in your mouth, Joe? Yes, I have. You wearing a check shirt? Indeed, I am. With a tweed jacket over the top. That's right. Are those green Wellingtons you're wearing? They're special hunter wellies. Who's our guest today, Joe? He's gonna be a farmer. Really? I am underled to believe. If he's not, then I've dressed up like a twat for no reason. Also, you sound like a pirate. Yeah, I do. I why? Maybe those are the only two professions open to people from the West Country two hundred years ago. You went to the careers office and it was like, do you want to be a farmer or do you want to be a pirate? I want to be a farmer today, please. <laughs> <gasps> now, Joe, it is November. Have you noticed your ears getting slightly colder? My ears are freezing, Tywin. Do you think that something like a warm hat would be welcome at this time of oh, year? Oh, you know how much I love a hat. I've got a hat on right now. I've actually got two hats in my bag as well because the biggest a hat is my armour to me because I've got bad hair. I would love a hat to keep my hair hidden and my ears wham. So if I were to say to you that you could get yourself a warm hat with a bubble on top just so you looked insouciant and the name of this show would be on the hat, what would your reaction be? What show? The Joe Marler Show. This show? This very show. Are you talking about like our own beanies or something? Our own beanie slash bubble hats. Have we got some? We've got some. Available (gasps) right now. All you got to do, Joe, is to go to our socials. All the details are there and you could be kitted out in a very, very nifty, warm and stylish Joe Muller show bubble hat. So I have to go on the social media. Uh, on the social media? <laughs> so what you're telling me is if I want to get a bubble hat, I've got to go on the socials. Yes. For, for Without being a bit of a helmet here, for a show that I'm 50% of, Yeah, it's named... After me, I mean, it's got my name in it. Yes. Can I just have one? Can I just have one? Can I just get a hat for free, maybe? Yes. 
Okay, so that sounds a lot easier. So what? stop telling me to go on the social to do that. Okay. Okay, then. Well, fucking <laughs> less complicated. If you, the listener, want a bobble hat with Joe Marler Show on it and my ugly mug also on it to keep your ears nice and toasty this winter, go on all the socials and click the link and buy one. Enjoy. Joe, we've got a guest on today that we're very excited about, and he is going to bring a lot of chat. So I would suggest that we just get them on right now. Bring him on. (laughs) Our guest today is Matt. Matt is a first-generation farmer from Wales. Such a shit Wales. I'm sorry if I've offended any Welsh listeners. I've definitely not got any because I'm the second hated man in Wales. Anyway. Who's the first? Mike Brown. (laughs) His Twitter bio says he's the known... Oh, you fucking fat twat. No, that's not what you're known as. Oh, this is a really bad start. Right, here we go. His Twitter bio says he's known as the Ginger Farmer. And I can confirm that he's in fact Ginger Welcome, Matt. How do? How was that for you? It was really... (laughs) (laughs) The eye contact. Um, How do? I'm not too bad, but how are you doing? Right, talk us through your accent first. I've got a mongrel accent. Yeah. I I adopt accents, so I'll probably start talking like you by the end of it. Um, Okay, so like... Was that you talking like Joe, that last bit? No. I can get into it if you want. No. No. (laughs) (laughs) So I am born in... I'm a Gloucestershire boy. Yeah. Born... And then I started hanging out with some, some posh people. So then I got a bit of a posh twang. And then I moved to Wales. And then I just, as I say, I just pick up everything. So some words, I'll say like, I'll say like um, the whole time. It's quite a Welsh way of saying it. It's in whole time. or The whole time? Yeah, they like say whole. Like the time in a... The time... What? As in like the whole time I'm here, my accent's going to change up and down. You mean whole? Yeah. Yeah, but you're saying hall as in... I'm just like, slipping into a bit of local dialect. The little sports hall. He's saying hall, isn't he? No, that's hall. I feel we're getting sidetracked yeah, quite early on this week, yeah. yeah. I just think if we're going to listen to his voice, mm. it's important to understand a little bit about where he's come from and things. First generation farmer. So does that mean no one else was a farmer in your family? No one else was stupid enough to be a farmer, no. So you... No, how? I what? chose this life for myself. I chose to deteriorate in a, w- a rate in which I am deteriorating. So what do you mean? So none of your family were farmers? Nope. Did you have any farmers around you, farmer mates? Oh, yeah. Like, um, I was very lucky to go to school with people who were farmers or like, there was locals or neighbours and so on that I would, as a, young, as a youngster, I would go and say, look, you know, I'm really keen on farming. Can I come and work on your farm or something? But yeah, so, and that was it really. It's just a dream. I can't tell you why I do it, and I can't tell you why I wanted to do it. It's just, you know, I'd ask you, well, why did you want to play rugby? Well, I didn't. Well, I'm soon learning out in later in life that maybe I don't want to be a farmer. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, can I ask you first and foremost about sheep? Dig now, out. You, yeah, you have had sheep? Dig out. Let's go on, dig him out. <laughs> you look like a melted Ron Weasley. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer fat Ed Sheeran. Actually. Oh, <laughs> incredible. Really, really good. <laughs> but if yeah. I were going to ask you about sheep, mm. right, there's a lot of stuff. Don't start laughing yet, Joe. This is actually an almost sensible. Actually, it's not sensible. When I have spent time in your neck of the woods, Matt, let's say, for example, on a mountain bike, there's a lot of sheep. You see a lot of sheep. And me and my mates always wonder the same thing, which is, does a sheep know that it's a sheep? 
Uh, that you know, I've not done a study. I imagine they know that they are of a being of some description, but I, I, I imagine that you know it's evolutionary. So I imagine they've just evolved knowing what they know. But I, I haven't spoke to them in a while. But they right. So a sheep is famous for always following other sheep. Yes. So if you're a sheep and you decide to follow another sheep, are you looking at that sheep and thinking he looks like me? Are you following, thinking, why am I following this furry thing? Well, they've actually done a study. They do recognise faces. Yeah, I know. What, sheep a, faces? It sounds a bit country file, I know, but it's, it's, they do, they recognise faces. They can recognise, you know, who is in the pecking order and so on. The same with cattle, like a lady called Temple Grandin did a, a, a study on cattle that they know the pecking order. So if so for a cow who's coming in from the field, she knows to, she run, can, can run towards the gate, but then you'll see it, she'll stop and you'll wonder why they're stopping. It's because they've got to let the chief, the chief in. Let them go first. There's a pecking order. So hmm. so when you say sheep can recognise faces, I find it's quite interesting. Just to clarify, let's say, for example, it, it was shown a picture of, uh, of all the forwards in the England rugby squad. Would they hmm. be able to pick out Joe? It's, it's a good question. And do you know what? It's one I'm going to try when I get back. Um, <laughs> I, but I imagine maybe if they, if, I would say that, uh, you know, for example, if Joe was feeding said sheep over and over again now the question is do they recognize joe or do they recognize the noise of him coming with feed or the, or do they recognize the repetition it's it's a you know it's a question that maybe the government should be funding <laughs> <laughs> all this nonsense about whether sheep think they're sheep they recognize stuff and all that well it's no because they they don't know they don't know words so they don't know sheep tom they have their own language. If you well, for well, an argument, go on. Here sake. we go. No, 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 no. no, no, no. You've said it. No, no, no. You can't just take it back. Sake, you can't but, take it back. You like, just said they've got their own language. No, but I'm not saying like they're not there. You know, just we. But I mean, like, just we sheep. Exactly. m'appelle plump sheep. M'appelle lamb chop. The um, you know, but they bleat to each other, don't they? They communicate like a mum, like a ewe, which is like a female sheep, and a lamb. They will to one another they'll know each other's sound so is that communication it's just we can't understand it oh wow this has got all mystic can you do you think you can understand it though could you learn to talk sheep oh, i don't think so mate i think oh. we get, i think we're getting sucked in here i think you can fake <laughs> again this is from my mountain biking exploits if you go through a field of sheep often you'll do a sheep impression just go on would you want a lamb or which one do you want i want a mutton <laughs> a mutton right <clears throat> That's good. That's, I'm quite impressed by that. Do you want to have a go? No. Okay. Go. <laughs> what do you want? I want oh. the goat that screams. That's what I want from you. <laughs> I would like um, a female sheep. Uh, she's three years old and she's had two lambs. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think if you walk through a field and you do a passable sheep impression... You can get the sheep to look at you. Yeah, they, they, they yeah. Like, yeah, but they're looking at you because they're scared shitless, aren't they? Potentially, or has that farmer been feeding that sheep? So are they just looking uh-huh. at you as? You so know, it's not your impression of a sheep that does it. Well, for well, when so when a, a ewe is lambed, and you need to say that load that ewe into a trailer because the lamb's a bit poorly, or you need to take it back to the shed. If you do a, an impression, she will follow the sound. I think her lamb's bleating to her. So then you can you can get her to follow you, and you can put her in the back of the trailer. So it's simple as that, but um, you know you can do little. There's little hacks like that, so you can say that they do communicate. And you have got a sheep impression, then. Of, <laughs> if hey, right. hey, hey! This is a safe space here. Is it? 
and we just we we did it. We is this, did it. Is this we did it for you, and we'd I'd, I would really appreciate. <laughs> Fuck is the best one. <laughs> yeah, it was a natural, wasn't it? You, when, when you do you like patronising fuck. Well, let's, let's say, like, I got to let you guys. You know, you're the stars. You're the face of this operation. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just a mere bit of entertainment. The the lambs, like when you're dragging them, it's like more of a me 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 like that. And That's I just too did deep, that. I think. I just it? did that, but it's it's because it's it's small. It's oh, low, really? isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and, and you can't. <laughs> yeah, something <laughs> like that because it's small. Because if you think a lamb's just been born. Yeah, hasn't got that gender. Too much, that's, too that's, high. That's too very much. goaty. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that's very goaty. You know those ones that that, that live on the sides of the mountains. Yeah. that you go. How does anyone live there? The chamois. What are they called? Oh, the chamois ones. Nice. Nice. That's what they use. That's the stuff they use to polish cars. Yeah, it's where they skin them, isn't it? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Surely we've come up with something else nowadays. Yeah, uh, they should. Maybe it's something the government should invest in. <laughs> I'm thinking diversification is what I'm thinking. I like you know. it. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to find ourselves just going. Because <laughs> in your head, having heard mats, I'm already thinking, gosh, work on mine. <laughs> when, but when, <laughs> yeah. when you say lamb, you said when a ewe goes to lamb. Or no, mm. when a ewe's been lambed. What does that uh, mean? So, so when a ewe has lambed, so as in she's given birth. So in the in that's the, literally just all that means. Yeah. So she's lambed. Okay. So she's given birth. She's given birth to the lamb. She's lambed. So what's what's you know when they say oh it's lambing season that's birthing season is it? That's birthing season. There you go. And why is there a season? It's predominantly to do with daylight. So this time of year now the daylight's changing, so the chemicals change in the in the sheep's brain, so that they'll go right. Okay, I need to reproduce. I need to create offspring and carry on my bloodline. So that's what they do. So it's been harnessed. And then a lot of... So lambing time would have been spring originally, so Easter time. That was traditional, and that's when we lamb, um, because Mother Nature is at her politest. She's not trying to bombard you with bad weather. But then uh, the consumer has basically said that we need lamb earlier on or 12 months of the year. So then farmers now start to lamb sheep Christmas time, January, February, March, April, May. And it's all depicted by when people want it on their plate, basically. Would you have a ram and a sheep in the field at the same time so that nature takes its course? Or do you have like the equivalent of a stud farm where some mighty ram gets to cover, as mm. they say, plentiful sheep in one session? So, uh, so they're called rams or tups? Tups. Um, tups, yeah. Tups. Why tups? I may ask the wrong person. Tups. I didn't invent it. Tups. Tups, yeah. So why, would it, why, why do you think it would be tups? Tups. No. Tups. You want you want the top of my penis? <laughs> there you go. I've been wondering for years. Oh, my whole is. life, I've been wondering what, what it is. I yeah. want, you want my penis? Just yeah. the top. <laughs> Rams tups. Rams and tups. So, so basically, what you do, it gets to a certain time of year, and every farm, if they are a breeding farm, we are predominantly a breeding farm. So we breed lambs, and then we will sell them to farmers with better farms or farms, say down in London, who it's a bit warmer, grass grows a bit longer. So we would be turning tups out. Rams, sorry, male sheep, out in November. So we start to lamb in April. Um, farmers, predominantly today, it is yield-driven. The margins are smaller and smaller, and some margins are next to non-existent. So we farm predominantly at a loss a lot of the time because we need to keep food cheap for the consumer. So um, it's a lot of it is data-driven. You know, uh, The sheep sector is massively data-driven. It's getting harder and harder to produce a product that y- you guys all want. And we've got to do it environmentally friendly, sustainably. We've got to do it, you know, on smaller and smaller acres so we can allow for uh, carbon offsetting in hedgeland trees and stuff like that. So it, it's all about making more from less. 
which is the right way to go. So I would say that the new farmer is a more rounded businessman. It's becoming less and less of a lifestyle. Um, and it's becoming, it's every day is a hard, you know, you're at the coalface business where everyone is welcome. What you, you said there about working at a loss. Mm. Most farmers are working at, what? What's the, what? Well, so, what? Well, what's the point then? There you go. What is the point? So like, um, so yeah, most farms <laughs> run at a loss realistically because in farming it's full of variables. So it's November. I'm about to put my tups out, um, my rams, and I'm going to flip a coin and I'm going to invest a great deal of capital. And then I'm going to come to next year and go, whoop, heads, people want it. I'm going to make money. People don't want it. I'm going to profit. I've heard that you had a pretty cataclysmic instant with your sheep, Matt. I had a major fuck up, yeah. So, as I say, I'm a first generation farmer. Everything I've done is beg and borrow. I've, I've signed my life away to HSBC. My take on it is I've had to borrow heavy and hope that the rewards are reaped. But we were going quite steady. I was still making tons of mistakes, as you do as a, as a younger person. And I thought, right, I feel like. I'm a level-headed enough, and we're in a good place. We've rented another bit of land. We can borrow some money and, and go and go big. So, at this point, I'd only ever borrowed like thirty-five grand. So I thought, right, no, let's let's go huge. Let's go and buy six hundred and thirty ewes down from Scotland. Oh, the Arctic lorries. I felt like the biggest baller in the world. <laughs> uh, like, in like you know farming, like but people are like, oh, Jags, Mustangs. I'm like, oh yeah, boy, you got some sheep coming down. <laughs> look, at, look at me, neighbours. Here's my ewes. Absolute ewes. <laughs> um, so. So that yeah, so I bought all these sheep and things were going swimmingly. Got borrowed a lot of money from the bank, and I thought, right, we can do this. My brother will help me with the cash forecast because he's a he's a banking guy in London, so he knows numbers and stuff. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And so you won't appreciate me saying that. Um, so basically, did that, and then it was going well. Got to February, still pretty well. Got to March, end of March, started lambing. So that's lambs coming out, birthing, yep. birthing season for yep. me. A little bit early, I have learned. It was a little bit early for my neck of the woods for the system I was doing. So mistakes were made. But basically, beasts of East turned up and I lost, a, I don't know, £120,000 in a week? Something like that? Why? Because the sheep... I lost 60% of my lamb crop. So I... I've never really probably focused on a solid number because, you know, you just got... At some point, you just got to let it go. Otherwise, yeah. it just keeps on... You just keep bullying yourself. But I would say I lost close to 600 lambs in the snow. Oh. And, but that is, if I'd lost 600 lambs and not tried, you could probably live with that a little bit more. But the fact that I tried, I, I, you know, like every farmer in the country, everyone had a hard time. So this is not special. This is not, I'm not a hero here in, in no way, shape or form. But it's all right, Joe, you can call me one later. Um, <laughs> no, I'm joking. But it, it was just a really hard time for the whole industry. And a lot of people bounced back and... I've been trying ever since to bounce back, but it's basically a week in my life I'm now going to be paying for till I'm 61 years old and I've got nothing to show for it. So I've basically got a mortgage for a house I don't live in or don't own or don't see. That's effectively what it is. So um, it was a steep learning curve and, um, you know, we worked tireless, tirelessly uh, to, to do everything we could. We did preempt it, so we saw it, so we put loads of feed out, loads of hay, loads of silage, everything. But, you know, it was just, when lambs are being born, you, it was freezing. At one minute it was snowing, then it was raining, then it was freezing, and it was just a horrible environment. You couldn't do it. It, um, 
the farm that we were renting at the time. Um, so we had the sheds were full down at my place and I would drive this about seven mile round trip on a quad bike. And this was Siberian winds, so they say. Um, and I would, because a quad bike would float quite easily over the snow. So I'd take a dog with me and I'd, you'd have to make a choice. You'd, you'd pick what you can save and what you can't. So you take the stuff that you'd save and I'd take it down back down to the farm, drop it off to the students and say, right, just do what you can. And my, um, I'm very lucky that my partner, she's a vet. So she was doing what she could and I'd fly back up and go again and just keep going and keep going and keep going. And then all night I'd, I would, um, I'm very fortunate to have a bit of a lambing office. So I'd try and sleep best I could in a lambing office and I'd have to get up. And the lambs that I'd save that day, they would be on like a milk machine, having constant supply of milk, which is heated. The pipes get freezing. It was minus eight. So I had to keep changing the pipes. I had them in buckets of water. I had lambs in the radiators. It was a seriously crap time. Um... And then after, was it about a week or two, we had that big drought, didn't we? So, like, everyone was like, oh, amazing, life's going back to normal. And I was like, yeah, I've just got, it's just, you know, it just carried on. So No um, more sheep. Yeah, or I got a lot of ewes that we, you know, all the ewes we managed to save were a bit like, well, cheers, mate. It's, you know, that was a pretty shit time. So, and that's that's how it went, really. So, it had a bit of a... Yeah, and you're still, in, you're still in sheep farming, are you? I am still very much trying, yeah. Trying you, didn't, best. you didn't consider going, actually... Hundred percent. This ain't this this ain't for me. Is there other, any other farming that I might be able to give my fucking all to? Hundred percent. But I am stupidly. I, I don't like to quit. And I thought that I had this. It sounds dull because to a lot of people, livestock are probably just a consumable. Whereas as farmers, because as I said, we we don't make masses of money. I hate the word, but it is a livelihood. You, you do, you get to know them, you, you love it and stuff. So I was like, no, nah, I've, I've got to keep trying. And at this point, I've got a heinous loan that needs paying. <laughs> so, you know, you've, uh, my saying is you've got buckets, you've got a fire under your ass, you've got to find some buckets of water. So it's basically pull your sleeves up and just get, get going, isn't it? Fire under your ass. Yeah, so when a bank manager is like a big old fire under your ass, you then got to find a bucket of water to I keep it damped out. I just love the sayings you keep coming out with. Just dig it out. Just dig, dig it Would out. You like a, on Sundays, would you like a fire under your ass? Like not too, too, not too close. Yeah, yeah. Would you rather be too hot or too cold? Too hot. What would you be? Too cold. Oh. Yeah. See, I'd be too cold. Would you? Yeah. Too hot. Oh, how mate. too hot though? What do you mean? Am I, am I baking or am I just slightly yeah, sweaty? Yeah, like midnight, Abu Dhabi, oh. 41 degrees. Oh, too cold to put a jumper on. You've already chosen too hot. <laughs> I've changed my mind. You've now you've literally made your bed. Yeah, <laughs> you, you fucking dig out of that one. Well, how cold is it for you boys then? Uh, you can't sleep, that's how cold it is. No, uh, well, no. We, you, can't, well, you, can't have, you can't make mine really hot and then you, you have yours slightly cold. Without getting too erotic, spoonage. We're, yeah, we'll choose. Yeah. We'll choose ours. He like I'm looking at Matt here, and he reminds me of um, <laughs> no girlfriend. <laughs> hey, mate! No, he re- don't no, mug him off like that. He reminds he could do better than that. No, he reminds me of that. Um, who was the one? She was uh, one of the uh, ginger spice. No, <laughs> White Walker. She was also in Vigil recently. She was the one who said, "Oh, all right, John Snow." Oh, what? The... Game of Thrones, you know. You, you'd like to cuddle me, wouldn't you, Jon Snow? And they spoon each other in that cave. Right, OK. That's me and you. If you want to go there, mate. Yeah. <laughs> you boys spoon the cave, I'm going for, for a dip in the pool. Oh, good shout. Didn't think about that. May I get a lilo around the old head? <laughs> so my preconception... Uh, what's it called? Yeah. yeah. Oh, this is a good word. So I my, it. So my preconception of farmers being minted is mm. complete bollocks then. 
I would say, I'd say landowners are probably quite affluent. They're the ones who maybe have been past the farm down without a mortgage um, and they're able to rent it on to people like myself who want to farm. They'd probably be quite well off, I would say. But I, I can't cast a brush, you know. But it's, let's just say, the only way to become a millionaire in farming is to be, start off a billionaire. Joe, see if you can guess. I'm going to name some pieces of farm equipment and I want you to see if you can guess how much they would cost. I'm going to be good at this. All right. Okay. I found a combine harvester on eBay. Bet you did. Yeah. It is, hold on, it's the Class Lexian 740. Yeah. A used combine harvester currently um, on offer on eBay UK. So the combine harvester, is that the bit that goes on the back or is it the whole thing? No. So a uh, combine harvester is what thrashes your, or threshes, depending on, I, I don't know. I'm not an arable farmer. Um, but basically you go and harvest your corn, barley, and it separates it from the straw into the actual like seed, for example, and that's what you make your bread and your beer from. Twenty-two grand, Matt. Ah, oh, I don't know. I'm not an arable man. I'm going to throw in there forty-eight grand. One hundred and fifteen thousand pounds plus VAT. What? Oh, the VAT. What's arable that you keep saying? So arable is someone who grows predominantly crops. So Jeremy Clarkson is an arable farmer. So that's what Jeremy Clarkson, because I've just started, have you watched, have you seen any of this on Amazon I haven't, Prime? but you've been telling me about this and I'm thinking I've made an error not watching it. Because Decent? I, I don't want to um, get into some sort of defamation or slanderous conversation with you. Of I Clarkson? Don't, I don't, why have you just done that? Because I could tell by your face. Yes, but the whole point right, is to I? not get into it. Okay. He also looks like a Clarkson fan. And honest, you've just he? named oh. it. <laughs> You've just named it. But you just said it's at the Clarkson show. I mean, it's quite a yeah, big clue. Yeah. Uh, good point, both of you. <laughs> really, really good point. So, irrelevant of whether you do or do not mm. like uh, said presenter, it's actually more about the other characters in the series that I really enjoy. Like the young lad, I think it's Seb. Is it Caleb? Caleb. Caleb. He's brilliant. Like, he's never left Chipping Norton or where it is, or he's gone south a little bit of it, but he's great. There's also another guy who fixes his walls who, fuck, you can't understand a single fucking <laughs> word. He's, like You'd understand every fifth word because he speaks so fast and more countryfied than our <laughs> meet Matt here. You know, so I think you should you should give it a chance. I'm only too deep. So, I, you know, it's still early days. I could end up still really hating it. But I thoroughly enjoyed it. But, Matt, is it? have you seen it? I have, yeah. Is it a, is it a re- real reflection of farming life? I know you're not an arable farmer, but... Yeah, we don't all have Bentleys that are absolutely kitted out so we can go and check stock. Um, <laughs> but if Bentley are listening and they want to give me one, I will, I will demo, mm. I'll demo mm-hmm. the fuck out of that machine. Because uh, we definitely don't have the power to help you with that. Sorry. No. <laughs> I'm hoping you had the reach. Mm. Um, right. I'm so struggling. I was lied to. I'm ready to leave. Yeah, fine. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's it's pretty... Like, the way that he ended at the end, it was like, look, I've made a £142 profit, or whatever it was. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I was just about to say. <laughs> I don't remember that bit. Um, yeah. Tom, don't bother watching the end. Cheers. Yeah, sorry about that. That's a real reflection. Oh, I know better now. That's a real reflection on, on, on what we do. The fact that we are literally um, owned by the weather. As I said, like you know, like I am when Mother Nature's at her least volatile. But they, um, yeah, it's it's pretty real reflection. Yeah, um, it's a hard, it's a seriously hard job. Do you know farming is the most dangerous job in the UK? You didn't know that, did you? 
So I, I even checked on the, on the way down, um, did a bit of research. I know that Independent did an article. They're saying that it's the most dangerous job in the UK. And it jumps between one and two, depending on how many people have. What's two? Up. Construction, I think. What Do we believe this, Tom? Google it. Here's my thinking, Joe. Okay. So I imagine, Matt, you have, whether it's the combine harvest that Joe has just spent 115,000 plants plus VAT on, you've got a lot of potentially dangerous equipment. Yep. You're out by yourself a lot of the time. Yep. You might be tired. All the time. Uh, you might be out there in capricious weather. Yep. Um, and that feels like enough points I've made there, Joe. That's four. Yeah. Okay, but that's not what I was asking. I was asking, do you believe that? My answer to your question is yes. Do you? No. Why? Well, I made eye contact with you, mate. I'm not lying. Yeah, but uh, caving. Uh, firefighters. It's it's built. It's based on statistics of how many people have died within the industry. So maybe firefighters are just better at their job. <laughs> Cockle pickers. Cockle pickers. Good shout. But again, still not up there. Still not up there. Arguably, as well, that is um, maritime fishing. Uh, oh, no, hang on. Let yeah. me say it again. Arguably, <laughs> <laughs> maritime fishing. Yeah, do you want me to do that? Ah, oh, yeah, again. yeah. Do that again. <laughs> Arguably, Joe, that is maritime farming. And for the second time, ah, oh, yeah. <laughs> You're fucking keeping all of that because he, he never gets shit wrong and he's, he's getting it wrong. I like it. at me whistling in a jaunty fashion. I wish I could whistle as well. Hello, my friend Tom and I... Hi guys, I'm Tom. Yeah, he's Tom. ...have this amazing history podcast. It's called We Didn't Start the Fire, and it's the only podcast started by Billy Joel. And Katie, without being boastful, it really is the most original, fascinating, and random way to learn the story of the 20th century. I think that's being boastful. We go from Maryland to the Mafia, from the Beatles to bombs. Yeah, it's politics, rock and roll, sport, television, the space race, and we're joined by some pretty incredible guests. I only wrote stuff that I wanted to hear. If it turned out to be a hit, it was pure dumb luck. With me, Katie Puckridge. And me, Tom Fornice. This is We Didn't Start the Fire, the only podcast started by me, Billy Joel. Search for We Didn't Start the Fire and subscribe now. Shrink the Box is back for a brand new season. This is the podcast where we put our favorite fictional TV characters into therapy. Join me, Ben Bailey-Smith, and our brand new psychotherapist, Namone Metaxas. Hi, Ben. Yes, this season we're going to be putting the likes of Tommy from Peaky Blinders, Cersei from Game of Thrones on the couch to learn why their behavior creates so much drama. So make sure you press the follow button to get new episodes as soon as they land on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Shrink the Box is a Sony Music Entertainment original podcast. It is that time on the pod where we thank our lovely patrons, who are, of course, the official sponsors of the Joe Marler Show. Beginning with Joe, Becky, Rollable Dyson, Matthew, it's not fairs, James Dean, not that James Dean, James Jimmy Blackman, Josh the Swindler Swindles, Alistair Boundy Hunter, Alistair, ah. Alistair, I've spelt my first name wrong, Boundy. And Greg the Eagle Edwards. To be more like Becky, Matthew, James, James, Joss, Alistair and Greg, go to patreon.com, search for Joe Marler Show and grow the show. I don't know if you know, but 
I've got some farming experience. Tell me more. Oh, of course. This is your during your turfing time, Joe. I used to farm grass. Did you? Is that allowed to be said on here? Or oh, as Not, I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't used to grow weed, Matt. Although that is also quite profitable. <laughs> That's the most profitable form oh, of farming. I used, to, I used to drive tractors. Did you? Yeah. Legend. Um, they had the mowing bit on the back, so they were technically mowers. So we call them tractor mowers. Yeah, so I called them. I, I used to drive tractor mowers, mm-hmm. and then uh, more often than not, I used to have to just sit on the single mower. You know, like the over all these acres of field because it picks up the th- thicker bit of grass. Well, um, so I know what it's like to to work the land. Cut from the same cloth, me and you. We need to. We need to buy a farm. If we get a farm, yeah, it's a decent tax break. How I want. Much? I want to farm you. How, oh. How much? Use I said. Oh, sorry. Thank God for that. How um, <laughs> it's taken a relation in a very different direction. Yeah. How much would a farm cost us? How much do we want, Joe? How bigger? Uh, how many? How much, I'm just trying to think of the numbers Jeremy Clarkson got. I'm sure he had fucking shitloads of acres, didn't he? He's got a thousand acre farm in Cotswold Country, where I would probably. I wouldn't hazard a guess. I don't. I'm not a state agent, but I would say you're talking twenty, twenty five k an acre, maybe a little bit more. Hang on. That's not helped us at all. <laughs> well, you think he's got a thousand acres times it by twenty five thousand an, an acre. So two hundred and fifty grand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, two hundred and fifty thousand pounds. Yeah. Can I farm in on can I farm anything on ten acres? Yeah. What 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 can I do chickens? Yeah. Sheep? On a small part of it, yeah. I I I'm thinking about it. this. Well, I used to have chickens. I had uh, four chickens at one point. Nice. Took fucking I had to get someone around to help me build a pen. Because the foxes, yeah. Well, y- yeah, to stop them. No, yeah, to s- stop the foxes. I think it was. Yeah, I'm glad we got there. And stop them running around the house and stuff. Because we used stop to the chickens. <laughs> Close the door. Yeah, that's true. But like, we used to let them anyway. Do the chicken farms lands. up and down the country, going, "I can't get these chickens out of my house." <laughs> <laughs> well, if they're kind to the chick, we were kind to our chickens. They come in and they yielded loads of eggs for yeah, us yeah, word, yeah. Yeah. we didn't sell the eggs so we used to just eat them ourselves yeah, but it's just a sustainable food production isn't it although actually I very rarely used to eat the eggs because it used to creep me out why because it's a bird period no because because <laughs> <laughs> it's a bird period because I for some reason thought that they weren't like because they hadn't been treated or something pasteurised yeah, like they weren't like proper eggs. They weren't <laughs> safe to eat. As long as they're not gone off, yeah. They're, like if they're gone off, they explode pretty well when you put them in a no, pan. No, they were, so. they were to the, every morning. Yeah, like, I'd go safe. down there, they're open safe. them up, let them out. And safe. I used to love them, mate. There was so much like Daisy loved it. She did most of the work with them because she was always there. But and the day that they got massacred, oh, yeah. which yeah, which How unfortunately was the same day that. Rufio passed. Oh, fucking oh, hell, broke my heart. Honestly, fucking hell, I hate talking about it. Fucking hell. And we've never got chicken since, even though we've got this overgrown chicken pen down the bottom of the thing. How'd the foxes get in? Well, I put... Oh, oh what? <laughs> I put... Um, <laughs> you know, like, you wrap uh, the electric wire around the top to stop them jumping over, because they can do all that, do you know what I mean? I did that, but I forgot to turn it on. So Ooh. I thought I thought I thought they'd still be like scared because they'd look at it. You know, like how sheep recognise faces. Yeah. Well, I was under the impression that foxes recognise 
electric wire mm. and read the little yellow sign. They know it by brand. Yeah, they look at it and they go, oh, I'm not jumping that one. Oh, we splurged on that one. That's, that's a higher kicker, that is. Yeah, so <laughs> fucking fuck that one, really. Um, also, it was my own fault because I usually would go and put them in before it got dark and I forgot that night. So that's that my own fault. Yeah, that's, that's all, all of them butchered? Uh, yeah, ha, ha, two, two of them nowhere to be seen, obviously taken, which is rare unless I think uh, it was a female fox that wants to feed her young foxlets. Cubs? Cubs. Foxlets! <laughs> <laughs> Twat. And the other two, well, there was only half left of the other two. And yeah. it was quite a traumatic. Not nice, is it? Not nice, not no. nice. Which has probably scarred me to not go back in because we've we've thought about getting pigs. No, good idea. Where do I go to start off? I want to be a first generation pig and sheep farmer. Let's say I've got a ten acres. All right, go to market or or put. So there, I go to a farmers market. Is that not a farmers market? Because you'll get the end product. So you buy a sausage there, but you want to go to a livestock market for ten pounds. Mm, yeah, ten pound sausage. Mm. So it's a farmers market isn't for farmers. No farmers. It's predominantly farmers produce. So you buy your, the cheeses like I brought you today from yeah, that is you know, and the charcuterie I, I bought you. Yeah, is that I've never. That is the first time eyebrows. Now, I mean, I bet my. I was going to. I know. I was going to eyebrows you in all fairness. That is the fi- first time hmm. I've heard the real. Is that the pr- real pronunciation of it? Charcuterie. I hope so. Charcuterie. What do you yeah. say? Charcuterie. Oh, you've changed it already. He's gone a bit more... He's a bit posher then. All right. Charcuterie. Charcuterie. I thought it was charcuterie. No. So char. Because it's spelled that, isn't it? It might be French. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, but that, thank like you that for stuff, bringing that stuff. That stuff there is postal. So why buy a pig when you could just give Langston Farm a go and they'll send it to you? Joe, do you want to just sample? Well, um... That could be the bacon box, so don't sample that. I can't that. sample raw bacon. <laughs> I bet you could. I bet you could. Are you, oh, have you, not, have have you, you got read, a microwave? Have you read the stickers, by the way? That's a nice touch. The bacon that gives you a lard on. <laughs> <laughs> Post box bacon. That's good. So what's that from? Langston? From Langston. The Langston farmer, that is. So he's local to us. He's an, ex, uh, he's an ex-military man who is also a first-generation farmer. Cure bacon me crazy. <laughs> Joe, you, you have a little nibble on some of that, just while Matt... Well, I can't, it's, no, it's raw bacon. This one, I've got you some uh, British native breed fennel salami. Good stuff, isn't it? You tuck into that, and Matt, you just tell us where Joe's going to get break his. open a bit of cheese. I was going to bring some, some bit of chutney as well, but um, to go along with the milkshake, but the lad who I was getting that off wasn't very organised. So. Um, so basically, if you wanted a pig, I would contact a reputable pig seller. Mm-hmm. Who has knowledge and who can transfer that on to you? Oh, all in one. Joe's just smashing a massive piece of meat there. Yeah. How does it make you feel, Tom? Depends what he's going to say. What do you reckon, Joe? Don't know how to say it. Oxford, Sandy, and Black. Is that the name of the pigs? Yes, the name of the pig breed. So there you go. Then <laughs> you thought there were three pigs. One was called Oxford. One was called Sandy. <laughs> one was called Black. Yeah. <laughs> What's stupid about that? Do you think you're eating Sandy or Oxford? Tastes a bit like Sandy. Does he? Um, Proscutio. Prosciutto? Prosciutto. Fucking, it's really, really good. Is it? Sorry, Matt. How many sorry rashes, to the listeners that can How many hear rashes me? are in that pack? Just hold it up a little bit. Twelve. How many of those are you going to get through in this show? I'm going to eat them, yeah. Mm. All of them. 
it's quite a generous box too i thought like it's, it's a, that's yeah. really i'm really really pleased with that and mm-hmm. i'm so grateful for you carry on mate you matt first of all for bringing it but also to langston farm where's langston so langston is he's, he's, he's a bloke <laughs> oh it's a bloke it's yeah. not a place <laughs> it's nick langston and his uh his, his mrs lucy they um nick they and do. lucy thank you so much it's an ethical meat what's ethical about killing though uh, the way it's produced. So if you think that, uh, like, all farming in the UK, it's all done to high... We've got the highest welfare standards in the world for agriculture. So, you know, all the food that you buy with a British logo, and that's born and bred in Britain, we have, as Jeremy Clarkson says in that documentary, the most amount of red tape. It's it's the highest welfare. You know, we're not allowed to transport animals if it's below a temperature. If it's above a temperature, we're not allowed to... Um, you, have, you have to keep them on a certain amount of acreage, quite rightly. And so... Basically, what he's saying there is that there's there's no there's no there's no um, hormones like you'd get in another country. They're not in a small little enclosure there. I've seen them. They're running running wild around a field and loving life. Really, there's no. It's San, all just, Sandy had a good life, did she? One hundred percent. Okay, and that's and that's why we, me personally, we all get so torn up in farming because we put our heart and soul into it. So you asked me earlier, why the hell do you do it? You don't make much mm. money. Well, good question. We've, all, well, we've got bills to pay and you don't know what else to do. Like, I, I actually have two other businesses which pay for me to be a farmer. Farming is basically you're almost doing the same thing over and over again and hoping you get a different outcome, which as your listeners will also know that. So I'm pretty sure that's the term for psycho. Mm. So we do. Every year we try again, we try again, and we always go, it won't be as busy or it will be better next year. So, um, you know, we, we do all this to such a high standard and produce all this amazing food in this country. Um, is that a good I'm, thing? Like the way you say, with there's so much red tape. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Is that a good thing, it's, or it's, is it is it really that necessary to have so much? Some of it's rubbish, you know. Some of it is rubbish, um, but I think on the whole, if it keeps us leading the way and the, and the best of the best, and our animals are produced the highest welfare, then that's what we've got to do. We've got to do, isn't it? I uh, I found it very not weird. Yeah, slightly strange seeing you in person. Right. Having seen you on the telly um, from your documentary Under the Soil on Amazon Prime, which you touch on, not touch on, the majority of it is talking about mental health, poor mental health in in farming and, and farmers. And it was really quite eye-opening because, A, I'd, I've never considered that being a really lonely way to live your life but then when you delve into it you're like well of course it fucking is you're up at horrendous hours you're working long hours all the day and you're talking about losing money rather than making it and you're like well why the fuck are you putting yourself through it it's it's no wonder that there's what was it i think on on the documentary you put 81 percent of of farmers under 40 see that mental health issues as a as a major issue moving forward in in farming so it's quite weird to actually now see you in person and hear the way you talk in such a, a positive light now. Hmm. Um, but can you just talk a little bit about about your documentary that you made? So, um, uh, uh, yeah, right, got heavy in here, got heavy in here quick. Hey, it's not, it's not heavy. It's not heavy. He ain't heavy. He ain't heavy. You're meant to do the next bit. He's my brother. A little bit more. Sorry, <laughs> Sorry do it again, I'll do it nicer. He ain't heavy. He's my brother. No. What? You went singing? Yes. Oh, go on now. You weren't singing. Yeah, but that's... The, he ain't heavy. He's my brother. Was that what you wanted? That was actually good. 
Thanks, Tom. What have I walked into? Yeah. So yeah, we did. Um, I was I was involved in a documentary with there was a lady in there as well called Emma um, Picton Jones. She set up a charity after her husband took his own life, and it's called the DPJ. And so I, um, after the Beast of the East, as a result of that, about six months after, I felt the effects because obviously at the time you're extremely busy um, and you just ignore it. And I don't know, coming from a military family, I've got this um, false, you know, false picture in my head that I've just got to always be stoic, the quiet type. And bear in mind, I'm a chopsy bastard, as you told, but like... No, are you? Yeah, me. I couldn't get a word in <laughs> um, So, So it hit me in full effect and I thought I was struggling for a, a long time and so I I think I got to a point where I was pissed off at being pissed off if you know what I mean I just had enough so I thought right I need to be active and take myself out of the situation and I got very vocal about it and said look I'm having a shit time who else is having a shit time because the sooner we all go <laughs> life can be shit cool yeah so me too so so we did this documentary they came out and like as you can tell I quite pride myself on I'm quite bubbly I like to have a jo- I like to just have a joke you know um I don't I try to take if you if there's no point crying you might as well laugh isn't it so so we did it and I and I bared all because in farming we've already discussed that it's the, one it's one of the most dangerous jobs in the UK well 52 farmers are taking their lives every year for a minute if you look in say your garden imagine 52 sets of wellingtons mm. with no one in them that's just and and, and for what food production keeping the countryside going it's just completely and utterly it's 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 horrible it's 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 just a number that shouldn't happen so we did the documentary um and it had a really good uptake funny enough like i haven't got any contracts with the bbc or anyone else and there's no follow-up like i do get this is how dark humor works a friend of mine obviously all of my problems came from after the the snow and a friend of mine uh, Tom Jones he texts me every time it snows goes oh if it carries on like this mate you'll get series 2 <laughs> but that's how we work I can't, I can't believe you're it's you know do you just call him Tom then yeah. rather than Sir Tom Jones I just call him Tom yeah and yeah. where did you two meet originally it was a nightclub in Cardiff <laughs> uh, very, very good it wasn't yeah um, but so after I did that I basically decided that this is still not enough more young people need to need to know and that they can have a chat so myself my brother and my brother-in-law decided that we would climb nine of the highest mountains in the uk in 72 hours and we did it we did it 71 and a half hours we raised uh 30 and a half grand for the dpj and what do they what do they provide so they provide throughout it was just a start in wales but it's absolutely exploded it's throughout the whole of the uk now i believe um they support you know, support so anonymous counseling if you need um because you know farmers were tough and roughy grafty and stuff like that so they'll spy to that um they'll workshops on how to you know how to spot signs of mental health problems or or and just build awareness and they provide funding and and do all sorts of things for people who you you need help because we all have an hour of need what's stopping us putting a hand up and going i need help to say it out loud was genuinely one of the hardest things i've ever done but it took so many people by surprise because if you think that i went through a lot of this and didn't tell anyone so my um, fiance is actually in that documentary too, and and it, to hear what she had to say because I wasn't allowed to be there when they asked the questions, so she couldn't alter it. So to watch back that bit and see what she said, that actually hit me hardest because mm. it does like. And for my mum and dad to go, yeah, we knew, and, I, and but I was, oh well, no, I hid it. I was fine. No, no, we knew because mm. I was constantly, you know, I I hated farming. Mm. I had to take myself all the way to New Zealand 
to re fall in love with what I did. I absolutely despised it. You know, can, can you imagine? Um, you know, it might have been the same for you with rugby, but going out every day and go, what the fuck's the point? It'd be far easier if I didn't do this. And although I was extremely, I was on the fortunate ones, you know, taking my own life was never, never on the cards. Um, but I feel if I hadn't have done that documentary or hadn't have done that challenge, because the challenge ultimately, I was sat in the kitchen having a cup of tea with, with George, my brother-in-law, and my brother Dan, and I was like, right, I want to do something hard. I want to do the hardest things. The hardest last thing I ever did was the BC, so I want the next hardest thing to be the, the Nine Peaks. So it was all about getting out in the open, saying to as many people as possible, and just saying it until it was out of me. Just telling everyone. because And then you had texts, people going, oh, I couldn't believe it. But the support that came from it, people going, you may have had it yourself, people going, I didn't know. If you ever need anything, give me a shout. You know. And then we had people coming up to us and going, like, you know, thank you for what you've done, I'm now able to talk, or, or can I tell you about something? And I'm, I'm a bit, I'm still like, there's still like 50 something, it's quite dry, I'm like, listen, mate, come on, man up, fella. Yeah. But I'm like, actually, no. Yeah, because I'm all, I'm all for listening. I wasn't for talking. Mm. I wasn't for telling you how I felt. Um, but I was always for listening. I always wanted to solve other people's problems, but it was probably until I solved my own problems. But long story short, I'm glad I did it. It was hard to do it because it had hap- it, the documentary was after when I had it all, but it's something that we've all got in us. I very much got it in me, proud of it. It's part of what makes me who I am, so is what it is, isn't it? Well, I think it's great, and the, the fact that, early on you said oh god this got heavy really quick i mean <laughs> we can get as heavy and as light as you want mm. and it's good to just open up and talk and there's no judgment whatsoever and i think it's really good particularly watching that documentary that yourself and who who was the girl that set up her husband so, dpj so yeah so it's emma picton jones emma Jenkins, setting yeah. up that foundation she's, she's like a um She's become like a national hero or all sorts of stuff. She's, she's, she's got so big now. She's to, it's only been going, I believe, like she'll correct me if I'm wrong, like five years. But mm. never have you met a person who is so bubbly, so wonderful, mm. roller sleeves up, right. You know, because th- there was after the beat of the East, I'm not ashamed to say it, I went up and down, up and down constantly. And I thought, right, I live for the Nine Peaks. And I was like, yeah, I did that. And then you, know, you might have had it yourself. I went down and down and down and down. And I rang her and I was like, look, I'm struggling. And then I, had, I went and got counselling. Yeah. You know, so the money I'd raised was going towards paying for me. Like I refused to have them pay for it. I wanted to go to people who deserved it. She's like, no, no. You That's need what it. the foundation's for. That's what the foundation's for. So, particularly for farmers who exactly. you you think traditionally are those stoic. Mm. Just get usually men. You know, That's it. get on yeah. with it. You know, you're traditional and all that lot. But mm. actually, you dig a little deeper. You spend fuck knows how many hours on your own. <laughs> you don't make a huge. You're doing all this work for not a huge amount of yield. You like the yield? Nice. Used nice. it properly now as opposed yeah, to giving yeah. up, Lovely. you know. So you didn't yield. Even better. Good? I'd end it there. Overusing <laughs> yeah, the yield yeah. a little bit. <laughs> okay. Mm. Oh, fuck, I did it, I did it. <laughs> but I think it's really good what everything you've done. And, and thank you as well for, for yeah. sharing that on the documentary, but also in person with us because sometimes it's it's not easy to do, but I'm really grateful for you and no Tom, I know, feels the same because yeah. I'm telling him to say the same. Right, before you go, mm. you got any sheepdogs? Well, you you trying to mug me off now? Is this it? I've yeah. got to go for a pint after this. you got any sheepdogs? I've got seven. Seven? Yeah. Got seven sheepdogs? I've got seven sheepdogs. Why do you need seven sheepdogs? How many sheep you got? I, I Not as many now. Yeah. Because... I've 
because of the whole tracking back, pay until I'm 61 yeah. for stuff I don't have, yeah. I've kind of had to diversify some pretty pretty radically. Yeah. So I don't have many at all at the minute. So I'm, I'm now doing other businesses to try and one day go back to farming. So I'm now making a profit in the hope to one day go That's back and not make a profit. <laughs> told you, it's a form of psycho. Have so, all your sheepdogs got names? They've got epic names, mate. Go. So I've got Ron, I've got Wallace, I have got Janice, I've got Izzy. Or isn't he? That's the question. Oh, <laughs> that is the question. Yeah. Grow up. There's Eric, strong names, and there's Jesse. So my dogs are New Zealand hunterways, so they're barking dogs. So you basically, they look like a, well, they are quite literally a cross between a Labrador, a Rottweiler, like an Alsatian. Shit. And a Collie. Seems like a lot a of crosses hand. here. But it was done like when they first found a New Zealand years and years ago. So they bark because the running around business, when you've got loads of loads of sheep, doesn't really work. So they just bark on command. So if you go speak up, they all they start barking. Um, it's brilliant because they look, they look a bit like, they're like really friendly Dobermans. So they're generally like, I've got a, uh, so I've got a pup called Jan. She's called Fat Janice. Fat Janice. <laughs> am I, am I, I thought you said fuck that? Janice for a while. Fuck that. Janice. I thought you, there was no, something called Janice in your life you didn't like. Around. Fuck, fuck you, Janice. Janice. <laughs> fuck you anyway, I didn't like it anyway. But her head will sit above the desk quite easily and she'll be 40 odd kilos when she's fully grown. So, so as I say, I've got News and Hunterways and I've got one then Border Collie. Do any of your sheepdogs uh, not have names or do you plan to get a sheepdog that perhaps the listeners to the Joe Marler Show could name? I was waiting for this. Yes, you can name one if you want. Like we will. So what I don't. So like a lot of people may breed a litter and to try and sell them. Mine are genuinely brilliant. If I could just have one puppy, great. So, but I only breed very infrequently. It's just for when I need a replacement. So just to confirm this, Matt, what you're saying is that the listeners to the Joe Marler show could email, tweets, Insta, wherever, and put forward a name for your next sheepdog. Are we going to choose it, Joe, or are you going to choose it, Matt? How's this going to work? Yeah, why don't we have them send some suggestions? Yeah. And then we can put it up. We can put the best. We can do a poll. That's very, you know, 21st. This is almost like you know what you're doing and we don't on this show. Well, and Matt, welcome. you've yeah, wrapped well. this up delightfully in a way that Joe and I are <laughs> yeah. struggling to do. Why don't we get Matt to wrap that? Yeah, Matt, can you just wrap this episode up, please? Say thanks to us for, cu- for coming on as guests. Right, well, I'll do my best. It's okay. my first time, though. Yeah. I want to thank you both for coming. Nice. It has been delightful. It's Good. been, you know, you've filled me with inspiration for the future. Now, if you could find yourselves out, we've got another episode to film. Can we take the find cheese your, and meat? Find yourselves out. Yeah, I got nervous towards the end. I can't <laughs> that does happen. Yeah, that does happen. Yeah. Not as bad as the start. You still didn't I, get as I, bad as the start. You no. made eye contact with me and everything to end yeah. it. I can't pull out a Nelson Mandela accent. So to finish the episode as we started it, oh. Matt, ah. Joe has had to put a book in front of his face so no one can see him. Matt, I would like to thank you. <laughs> Matt, thank you so much for coming on the Joe Marler Show. He's lose it again. <laughs> Matt, thank you so much for coming on. I've... Th- oh, fuck off. <laughs> sorry, Lou, sorry. All right, mate. It's been a long day. Uh, <laughs> sorry. I know when I'm not wanted. Unfortunately, Matt, that sound means this podcast has come to an end. And... I just want to thank you for coming on to the show and having lots and lots of fun with me and Tom. Go on then. Thanks, Tom, for having me. (laughs) It's a pleasure. Name more harmonica, stop. That was going to be the best one. (laughs) 
crowd network. A place where you belong. Sports Social Podcast Network.